Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini. Today, I have the special privilege to interview the Shoe Fairy CEO, Alexa Stimple. I am so excited that you're here. Welcome to the show, Alexa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. So we have a lot to talk about with um, lots of different things that prep lifers will want to hear about um, as far as selection of heels, selection of jewelry. So we have lots of tidbits to share with you listeners, but I wanted, Alexa, if you could first share with us your story of your experience with the prep life and competing and how that led you into this awesome sport of bodybuilding and coming up with unique, very unique, um, Olympia heels. So perfect, perfect place to start. So the bodybuilding industry definitely is interesting and I pretty much owe it to changing my life. So when I first started competing, it was in 2015, I was working a full-time job as, um, what was my position back then? It was for an electric and gas company. And I pretty much just had like an administration position. And at the time I was just in love with the gym and working out. So there was a girl at my gym who started doing a bikini competition. And I remember I just kept watching her journey on Instagram and being like, wow, I want to do that. I wish that was me, but I love food too much. And this is something that I'm sure we can all relate to that. We all know people who say I would love to compete, but I love food too much. Like, yeah, we all do. We all love food. So it was one random day. I can't, I don't really remember what made the switch, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. So I contacted a local coach. We met up together, and I decided to start my very first prep. During this prep, it was a 12-week prep, I feel like I changed so much as a person, just realizing, like, my entire mindset, just realizing that I could do things that I never thought I could do before. Like, I never thought that I could cut out all of the foods that I love, chocolate, sugar, everything, even black coffee. I hated black coffee and that's all I was able to drink with just a little bit of almond milk. Just something as stupid as that. I just really changed my mindset to believing in myself. So I knew I just wasn't fulfilled at my job and I knew I wanted to start some sort of business in the bodybuilding industry since I became so passionate about it. But I felt like at that time there was already so many businesses all kind of doing the same thing. And I was like, what am I going to do that's going to be different? And I feel like I sat in this space for a couple months. Like, what is my idea going to be? I struggled so much with thinking what was the business going to be. And one day I was sitting at my cubicle scrolling on Instagram. And I noticed that every girl typically does the same thing. They'll post their stage shot and then they tag every company that they use. So the company for their bikini, their prep coach, their hair, tan, makeup, jewelry, everything. And that's when I noticed that no one had a company to tag for shoes. And I was like, that's it. Because I remember that was the one thing I had no idea where to get my shoes from. And I noticed they were really only on the exotic dancing websites or Amazon. So that's when I had the idea to become known for the shoes in the industry. But I really owe all of this to prepping because prior to me even prepping for a bikini competition and doing them, I never thought I was actually going to be a business owner. Like this was never in my DNA. This was never in my plan, but I swear my mind and my mindset just changed so much within that 12 week period that suddenly I wanted to start a business and be my own boss. Wow. 
That's awesome. So what, um, when you started out this process, where do you even begin with that? I mean, in terms of, you know, did you find a manufacturer? Um, how did that all start? Oh, I have very, very humble beginnings. So how this all started, I'll paint the picture for you. I was 23 years old and I was living with my parents in a 55 plus community. They, my dad had lost his job. We had to downsize and it was an adjustment period in itself because I left the home that I was used to living in and now I'm in an adult community that was a half an hour from the nearest gym. It was driving me nuts. So I started a business out of my bedroom there and I had literally no prior experience. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and no one in my business, I mean, no one in my family even had business experience. So what I did was I literally just turned to Google and I thought to myself, okay, so what's the first thing I need to do? And I registered the business with the county. And then I figured, okay, in order to do this business before anything, I need to obviously have the product. And I thought to myself, well, where the heck am I going to get this product? So again, I went back to Google. I just kept Googling it. Um, got some different samples, had some different ideas with that. And then ended up going with one of the largest manufacturers for the sh- uh, fitness shoes. And then... I placed my first order with them, which is a funny story, actually, because my account rep over there got on the phone with me, and I think he just didn't take me serious as a 23-year-old female. I didn't start the business yet, so I obviously didn't have any inventory or anything, and he said to me that, um, oh, I'm sorry, we can't give you an account because we only give accounts to people with a brick-and-mortar store, Mm -hmm. and I just knew that had to be BS because everyone's already online. What do you mean you don't give accounts to online stores? I knew that he was just trying to give me the runaround because he didn't think I would be a serious client. Ah. So I fired back at him and I said, you know, oh, wow, that's really a shame. And I can tell the tone that he was taking it to. He's like, plus you have to spend a minimum of $500 to place an order. And I'm like, okay. So I knew that he just wasn't taking me serious. So when he told me he couldn't give me an account, I fired back and I said, oh, wow, that's really a shame because I was going to place a $3,000 order for my first (laughs) order. And then his tone switched so quick and his whole story switched. And he said, oh, well, let me speak to my manager and see if we can just maybe make an exception just this one time, which I just rolled my eyes. And I said, okay, you do that. (laughs) So he he ended up giving me the account. But it's just funny that as a female entrepreneur, especially a young female, People will definitely not take you serious, and that's just what it is. And you just have to prove them wrong. Now I'm one of their biggest accounts, which is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's he did not know what he was sitting on that back then. So, yeah. Um, as far as how did you evolutionize? How did you pick your business name, and um, how did you move out of your parents' bedroom? Uh, how did all that go? <laughs> Um, so the, it's so ironic The when the idea hit me for the shoe fairy, the name hit me. I like envisioned the website. I took a piece of paper. I drew the website out and then I had this crazy idea that I really, really wanted to be different. So I figured, okay, you know, I love the idea that the suits are covered in bling. What if I customize these heels with Swarovski crystals to match the suit? So my first two, two maybe even two and a half years of business we actually used to customize the heels with Swarovski crystals. So 
I would sit there and literally have a bunch of little tools and glue on the crystals one by one to design them the way in which the girls wanted. Because wow. I just wanted something that would really set me apart in order to get the name out there. Yeah. So I had a friend from high school. He made the website. Um, I got that first order of shoes. I made the Instagram. And right off the bat, I started customizing these heels just so that I can have content that would really catch people's eyes. Then I started to sponsor people, and I would just go onto the hashtags of NPC Bikini or Bikini Prep Figure Prep Figure Competitor. I would go on these hashtags and just interact with people all day long, be commenting and liking, talking with them, following, sending out free items. And slowly, very slowly but surely, the business started to get traction. Um, I'll never forget, it took five days for my first order to come in. And those five days were so nerve-wracking, I would be honestly stalking the website, like, please, someone place an order. <laughs> um, so after three months in business, I was watching the sales double each month, and I thought to myself, wow, if I had 24 hours to myself and not devoting it to my full-time job, imagine how much quicker this could grow. So after three months, I took the leap of faith, put my two weeks in at my job, and then I went all in on the shoe fairy. My very first booth ever was actually at the Arnold. And okay. I was only, I don't know, a couple months into business then. And I remember all of my stuff was just in a suitcase. And I've never, that was my first time even going to the Arnold. I remember seeing uh, forklifts and pallet jacks full of people's equipment and these amazing elaborate booths. And my booth was just so simple and sad looking compared to all them. I'll never forget. I went to go set up my booth and then I just cried after because I felt like, well, my gosh, what am I getting myself into? (laughs) But um, the Arnold was actually such an amazing experience. So I just put all my time and effort into it, honestly, every single day. I mean, I know that a lot of people will have an idea to start a business, but then they only work on it when they feel like it. I mean, I really worked every single day since I had that idea. I never stopped. And I just kept learning and listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, Googling, seeking out different mentorships from people in my area, trying to network and just teaching myself everything. So then I was literally taking over my parents' house with shoes. God bless them. (laughs) And I then moved down to my own apartment. And I had a bedroom in the apartment. That was my office. Then I outgrew that. So I had to get a storage unit. Then I outgrew that, moved to a townhouse that had a huge basement, which I used. And I had a family member working with me. But then when she had to leave and go to college, I'm like, okay, I still need help. But I can't just hire anyone to come work in my basement. That's awkward. So that's really what forced me to take the plunge and finally get our first office. And then I was able to hire my first office manager. So I think the biggest thing is to not stop working and take the leap of faith when you feel like you're not ready because you're never going to feel 100% ready. You have to trust yourself and your gut and go for it. Put your back against the wall and make it happen. And I think that that can, our listeners can definitely relate to that because I think that a lot of times it can be nerve wracking trying to decide whether or not you're going to do a, a bikini competition. I mean, I get a lot of inquiries where people are like I want to train like a bikini competitor um and once they start seeing results and they see how you know things are progressing and gives them basically that courage to step on stage for the first time so I give you a lot of credit for um 
starting from those humble beginnings, how many years then <laughs> have you been in business? Uh, five years. Okay. And where are you guys located? Manalpin, New Jersey. Awesome. Okay. So if you could share with our listeners, obviously you are the shoe fairy and you are the expert. How does one go about picking the right heel for their competition? So let's start with a newbie. If they're just looking into the sport and they're buying that first set of heels, what are some things that they need to consider? Yeah, so this is definitely our most frequently asked question, especially from a brand new competitor. So if you go onto our website and you go onto the clear heels section, it can be overwhelming for sure. Um, I feel like what we did was we created a shoe quiz on our site because I feel like you can narrow down your options just by three simple questions. So a lot of the shoe selection process comes from your own personal preferences. I would say that one thing I've heard from a lot of people that I kind of disagree with, and I'm curious on your take with this because you are a coach, is some people will reach out to me and say, um, my coach says I need to have a five-inch heel, but I'm not good at walking in high heels. Or they'll say, my coach says that I can't have an ankle strap, but I'm too nervous to wear a shoe without one. What are your thoughts on that? I want to hear that first because I'm curious. Do you limit people to something or do you think that they should go with what they're comfortable in? Well, that's interesting that you bring that up because I was just having a talk. We had a team show last weekend um, and we were going through the athletes posing routines and everything. And some of them had the mule. Uh, and I was talking about your Olympians and how both of our coaches, um, coach Jamie and then our IFBB pro Chris, when they put on the Olympias and they were started posing with me, they were just like, I will never wear another shoe again because they That's were so amazing. comfortable. And I forever thought that because I had weak ankles and because, you know, I've been, I've been competing for 10 years. So I've always bought an ankle strap. And I just thought because of my weak ankles, I had to have it. Well, last year mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I have the princess from you where it has the mm -hmm. two bands and you just slip right into it. Mm -hmm. And that is so comfortable for me on so many levels. Um, I was recommending yeah. it to everybody last weekend because you can take breaks. You can just slide right out of it. I had to mm -hmm. help all of the ladies, um, and so did the tanners, with them buckling in their ankle straps. Because once you are you have your bikini bite on, uh, you're kind of stuck. You can't there. move you can't that much. Bend over. Yeah. And then you can't mm -hmm. just slide out of your heel while you're waiting in line to go on stage. So for me, I'm never going to tell somebody, you have to have such and such because everybody is a different picture, right? Like everybody has yes. a different foot. They have a wide foot. They have a narrow yes. foot. Um, exactly. You know, but for just longevity and being able to last a long time, your heel pads are first of all a game changer on the joints and how your lower back will feel the next day. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I'm kind of going on and on about this, but I just, I feel like, the person needs to feel comfortable um, because that's mm -hmm. how they're going to shine on stage. So if they're completely mm -hmm. exhausted, worn out because they're locked into these shoes all day, I just, I don't know. I Maybe you can add to that. So I know that you said of you course, want to hear my yeah. opinion first. But. 
So the, well, the princess heels, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. It's such a great in between because it has two foot straps. Um, so it gives you a lot more security than just the standard mule. The only downfall with the princess is we do have this in the description on our site. They're not suitable for narrow feet because a lot of the feedback we've received from returns is that if you have a really, really narrow foot, that second strap over the upper part of your foot ends up being too loose. So that's the one thing we try to look out for with that style. Um, so the reason why I designed the Olympian mule to be different than any mule on the market is because I made the foot strap, the plastic that goes over your foot, come up much higher than anything else so that your foot feels secure. Because that's the one problem I noticed is I would say probably about 90% of our sales are people opting for an ankle strap. But personally, I love the look of no ankle strap. I, I just think it just looks, makes your leg, your foot to your leg just look more continuous. It looks a little bit cleaner. So I wanted to kind of solve that problem from people not feeling safe and secure in a strapless mule. And that's why I created the Olympian mule to have extra security coverage with that foot strap. Um, but for a newbie competitor coming on our site, if they click on the quiz button, there's three questions that will help narrow it down so it's not so overwhelming. So one is a basic question. Do you want something plain or do you want something with bling? Um, and then we also have, do you want a strap or no strap? And then do you want a higher platform or no platform? So depending on your federation, some federations, especially international, don't allow a platform. So that makes a big difference. Also, like you mentioned, everyone's foot is different. Everyone's preferences are different. I know some people that just, they cannot walk with a platform and then vice versa. There's some people that need a platform. They can't walk without it. So I think the main takeaway here is to go off of yourself and your personal preferences as an individual, what you're going to feel most comfortable in. So at least if you go through those three questions on our shoe quiz, it's going to narrow you down to just a few options and then we can help you from there. Um, it depends really on also if you have a narrow or a wide foot. So I think most commonly a lot of people struggle with their foot being too wide for these heels. So that's why with the Olympian line, we created them to have a wider footbed and the plastic is really, really soft and flexible. So over time, if you have a wide foot, it's going to mold and stretch to your foot. Um, some other options that have a wider footbed for anyone listening are Bella, Nova Bella, Lush, and knockouts and luminous. Um, but otherwise, we can help narrow options down based on the specific person. It, as long as they just reach out to us, we're always available. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that about the princess because I have a very narrow foot. And especially when I drop water, um, I have noticed that it will slide out. So that's why I'm particularly interested in your Olympia shoe because I you have to almost put like extra of those cushions um, if you have a mm -hmm. narrow foot to fill it out. Mm -hmm. um, so can you yes. tell us about yeah. the padding and how you went about designing those? Uh, I remember when I met you uh, in here in Kansas city, you came to opposing seminar and you had showed us your Yay! prototype. That was so fun. Yeah. And you showed us that padding and I just think that that's genius. I don't know why anyone else has not thought of that, but can you tell us what your your method behind designing that was and kind of your story leading up to 
this new yes of it, course the, the shoe just came out right you had a launch here at the beginning of july i know right the first launch was actually in the end of november okay. and then they sold out and then um our restock got very much delayed so we were just able to restock them and then we were able to just launch the mule at the same time um in june so the olympian heel is 100 percent designed by me you can't get this heel anywhere from anywhere else even the mold, the back of the mold of the shoe, it says, like, TSF is branded on the back of the shoe. So every single measurement and material and aspect of the shoe I picked out and did. So with the insole, our insole for the Olympian heel has more cushion than any of the other heels. It's made of a material that is vegan and it's also sparkly and pretty. But I picked out the insole material so that, the tan wouldn't stain it and make it look disgusting <laughs> because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all females. We all want a shoe that's pretty. It's not the biggest deal, but it's nice to have a shoe that always stays clean, especially if you're investing money into it. Now, the special thing with these is I also created our very own custom insert. So when I was designing this shoe and making the measurements, it's really tough because everyone's feet are so different. And there's people with really, really narrow feet really wide feet, the normal size in the middle between both. So it's like, how do you create the most universal fit? And that's something I was struggling with. So what I came up with was to have the measurements and the fit of the shoe be as in the middle as possible. So since this plastic is so flexible and soft, if you have a really wide foot, it's going to stretch over time. You don't need to worry about that. But then if you have a very narrow foot, we created our heel good insert, which is made of really dense foam. So a lot of, I also went to an insert factory overseas when I was designing the shoes at the factory and they took me to the insert factory and every single insert, I mean, I, I must have tested out every insert known to mankind that's on amazon.com. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and none of them did what I wanted to do. My, my foot kept sliding and my toes were hanging over the shoe. And I said, okay, if someone's foot is narrow and they need to take up extra space, this is not working. So I designed my own insert. And the material is so dense that it doesn't just flatten once you put your foot into it. Because that was my biggest pet peeve. These inserts would just flatten. And then what? So this insert gives you a ton of cushion at the ball of your foot, too. So as long as you have extra room in your shoe and you can fit it in, it's a big bonus. But aside from that, it's not going to just flatten. It's going to keep your foot in place, take up extra space, and prevent it from sliding forward. So if you look at the Olympian heel, the insole has stitching. And the stitching is the exact shape of our heel good insert. So it also makes it easy for you to see exactly where you should be putting the insert. Ah, okay. Very good. So how do you exactly break in a heel? Because you mentioned that if they have wide feet, it starts to stretch out. But what's your process that you recommend to your customers on properly breaking in a shoe? Well, one, you need to wear it a couple times, whether it be the Olympian brand the Olympian heel or any other heel, you need to keep wearing it. And we recommend trying it with thick socks because a lot of times if the heel, if the plastic upper is too tight and if your skin is hot or if it's warm, it's going to stick to that and it's going to make it harder for your foot to slide in. So if you have a sock on, it's easier to slide your foot in. If you have a thick sock on, it's going to make it even tighter, which is going to help break it in more. So what you can also do is you can take the heat from your blow dryer you apply that heat to the plastic, which starts to make it loose. 
then you put your foot in with the sock and then you, tr- you wear them around your house or you practice your posing so that heat kind of warms up the plastic and it gives it more room to allows it to stretch more. Oh and then gosh. by put, keeping your foot in it, it helps it more easier and quicker. That's genius. I didn't think about that. I always see people posting on Instagram and they're posting these pictures of them posing in their heels with socks. And I, I didn't even yeah. think about the practicality of that. I guess because I have a narrow foot, I, I always have trouble staying in my heels, um, not like making them wider yeah. because that would create a problem mm-hmm. for me. But now I, I understand that there's more functionality behind that. <laughs> that's interesting okay so as far as half sizes can you tell our listeners about how to deal with that like if you're a nine and a half and how how do you pick the shoe or heel for that half sizes have always been tricky so each shoe in the description on our website has its own specific sizing instructions because sometimes it is different depending on the shoe so for a lot of the fabulous style heels, if you're a half size, these run more narrow and the plastic is really tight. So in this circumstance, we typically suggest sizing up. So the reason why is because we have all of our return slips saved. And I mean, I have, I don't even know how many customers and how many orders we've done right now, but thousands and thousands. So I've taken pretty much the general consensus, the feedback from our returns and I based the sizing off of that. Okay. So there's actual almost, there's like almost data behind it. Yeah. So for yes. most heels, we suggest actually sizing up because most of our returns say that they were too small. They're a half size. They need to go up okay. with the Olympians. The Olympians actually run a little bit longer in length and the plastic has a lot more give to it. So with these, we suggest sizing down. So same thing after we did our first launch and sold out that, we, we keep track of all of those returns and the reasons, and that still seems to be the general consensus. Okay. That makes total sense. Okay. Very helpful. So I know that you, I know personally because I've gotten other things than just heels off of your site, but can you tell our listeners the other products that you also offer uh, for our competitors? Yes. So actually, of course we love heels, but I really, really do love all of our other products too. Of course we sell jewelry. You can buy the pieces individually or we also pre-make sets. So we kind of curate those ourselves. And then if you buy them as a set, they're always discounted. So no code required. It's already discounted. You can add a coupon code on top of that. But aside from the jewelry, we have a wide selection of other things such as slides for backstage or really you can wear the slides anywhere. Same thing with like cute, fuzzy slippers. A lot of our things are sparkly and rhinestones, so it's really good for show day since you're getting so glammed up. And then we also have a couple different insert options, um, non-slip grips for the bottom of your shoe. And then we have really cool, something I'm really excited about is our backstage bag. So I designed that to have its own little shoe compartment and a bunch of different compartments to organize all of your prepping and show day items. Uh, we have robes for backstage, button nightgowns for after your tan and wear those backstage. And we have leggings and we're actually working on something right now that should almost be done, which is kind of like, it's it can be for show day or any day, but we designed it specifically to work for show day. So we have a black set that's coming out 
and it's a really big oversized jogger. So we take black and everything so that the tan doesn't stain it. So we have an oversized jogger with a crop zip up hoodie to go with it. And we did a zip up so that you don't ruin your hair or your makeup. Perfect. That's awesome. So what would you suggest for a competitor that is, what are the number one things that they should consider when they're selecting jewelry? I like to base jewelry off of your suit. So it depends on the color crystals of your suit. I try to, I suggest trying to match your jewelry to your suit. So if your suit is mainly a lot of colorful crystals or AB, a lot of people don't know what AB is. It stands for Aurora Borealis. And it's kind of a multi-color iridescent rhinestone. So if that, if your suit is predominantly made of AB and colorful crystals, I would suggest sticking with that for your jewelry or vice versa. If you have more clear crystals, then sticking with clear jewelry. Clear jewelry, which is just the standard silver color, will match with anything. The AB is a little bit more tricky. And you can also base your jewelry off of your hair I know, and your face. So I know that a lot of people know whether if they have really short hair or long hair, what type of earring just looks better on them personally. Same thing with like connectors. If you have a really simple connector, some of our jewelry actually pairs well with the connectors that are out there on the market. But as always, depending on the individual, they can just contact us and we can help them specifically. Yeah. I like that you're saying to match the suit connectors because that's what I do with my athletes. I just, I have them show me what connectors they picked and then I kind of give them a recommendation based on what I think would look the best in terms of, Mm -hmm. this is one that I kind of struggle with, um, in terms of sizing of bracelets, I know this is kind of depends on the person's preference, but I typically lean towards doing like a, a one thicker bracelet and then one thinner, um, have you noticed mm-hmm. any trends or kind of what the pros are doing? I know you have sets that you put together and it seems like you have like a pair of earrings, a ring, and then a larger and a smaller bracelet. Is that correct? Yeah. So I've noticed the same thing. That's pretty standard. People will have a thicker one, one thinner one. We have seen people wear multiple bracelets on one wrist. Honestly, I think almost less is more. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree with you. I love the one thick, one thin, and then you can either have just one ring or two rings if you want one in each hand, and then a nice pair of earrings to complement. Yeah. So when you sponsor pros, um, all of us are familiar with Dayraja Hill. Uh, She was on the podcast as one of our um, interviewees. So do you set her up with jewelry? Does she pick it out? Like, how does that work for pros? And then... um, I mean, I didn't know if you saw any trends. Basically, our last show was the Arnold for the pros, for the most part. So <laughs> kind of what are I you know. seeing for 2020 as shows are starting to pop up after quarantine? Um, well, so when we sponsor athletes, we don't even just sponsor pros. We sponsor, um, we sponsor amateurs as well. We allow them to pick out whatever they want. If anyone has any questions, we're always here to help. But um, as far as seeing themes, that's what the question was, right? Because it kind of, the phone broke up a little bit. Yeah, just kind of what are the newest trends in 2020 in regards to jewelry that you're seeing? A lot of silver. We don't sell quite as much AB, I would have to say. That's why I don't carry as much AB anymore. I would definitely say silver and clear. And a lot of people like to order just the standard classic stretch bracelets. 
So on our site, it would be called the 10-row stretch bracelet and the 4-row stretch bracelet. That's most popular, and a lot of people like a long chandelier earring. Now, as far as rings, I will say this. A lot of the rings are a one-size-fits-all, and if you have really small fingers, they're probably going to be too big for you. So if you're someone with a really skinny finger, I would suggest going to your local mall and going to a store that sells jewelry and finding something there that's adjustable so that you can ensure it fits. Good advice. I like that. So as with most entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you're not the exception, a lot of us as entrepreneurs, we will make some mistakes along the way. Um, are there any lessons that you've learned or any failures you've learned from um, throughout the process of creating your business? Oh, of course. I mean, there's definitely a lot. And I've had a lot of failures. The one that I've been quite open about was my Olympian heel. I didn't even talk to you about this prior to the interview. My Olympian heel was first supposed to launch, um, I forget the year, but it was two years prior to the original launch. So after... 16 months of development, my first production of a thousand pairs came in. We took pre-orders, the launch was scheduled and they were all wrong. The entire thing, I had to cancel the launch, refund all the pre-orders. It was literally a disaster. And I first realized when I took the first shoe out of the box and I noticed that the plastic upper just looked like it, it didn't look right. And I couldn't even get my foot in. The plastic ended up shrinking and you couldn't even fit your foot in the shoe. And it's just, it was honestly crushing at the moment and it seemed so terrible, but I'm so glad it happened because I learned so much from that process and I ended up making the shoe so much better than it was originally supposed to be. So one lesson in itself is don't let your failures crush you because you either win or you learn. You don't lose. The only time you would lose is if you don't take something from it. So in the times where you feel like you've had a big failure or a big setback, just embrace it and take something from it because you can always grow through everything that you go through. So I that's the mindset I put myself in is no matter what is going on, no matter what setback or adversity, I always try to think, okay, what can I take from this? What can I learn from this? Another thing that relates directly to being an entrepreneur is I wish I would have seeked out more help sooner. I think a lot of us think that we can do everything on our own, but there's power in numbers and that phrase exists for a reason because you're able to move faster when you have more help or if you seek out a mentor and that can help fast track you because you can learn from their mistakes. So don't get, don't stay stuck in the mindset of thinking you can do it all on your own for too long. I like that. I think that can translate into any aspect of the prep life too, when we're talking to competitors, thinking about that. And so what is, what is your secret to turning a goal into reality? If you were to give our listeners some advice on that. Oh, this is honestly, this is probably one of my favorite questions because I talk to people who are aspiring entrepreneurs all the time and all of this entrepreneurial advice goes into bodybuilding and fitness and so many areas of life, it all just connects. So it's not like this is just exclusive to starting a business. A lot of this you can take and put it towards anything in life. 
But I think that I've, I've talked to so many people and I think the biggest thing missing with most people from turning a goal into reality is the execution. I mean, you have to work in order to make it work. Your dreams don't work unless you do. So I think that people either overthink. It's like if you have an arrow and you're aiming for too long and you never shoot. It's I forget the phrase that I love, but it was like um, shoot and then fix your aim along the way or something like that. You can't wait until you're ready because you're never going to be ready. You need to just get started with what you have and grow and learn as you go and just get better. Um, I think that people just overthink things too much and they don't ever get started. So if you're overwhelmed, what I did when I started the business was I, I had a piece of paper and I said, okay, let's think, let's break this down one step at a time. In order to start this business, what do I need first? I obviously need to find the shoes. And then we can work on the website. So if you break things down so that it's not so overwhelming, you have your big goal at the end, you have your starting point, and then you have A, B, C, D, E, F, G that leads you to your goal. So for example, you can't get to C unless you do A. You can't get to D unless A, B, C is completed. So if you can break it down into micro steps and micro goals, that's going to help ensure you get to your overall goal. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, definitely chunking down a big goal um, into smaller parts is always the best way to tackle it. And I just think that you have the right mindset. Um, Just kind of, you know, how we started this podcast, we were just like messy progress, you know, I just wanted to put something Mm -hmm. out there. Um, And it might not look perfect, but you kind of learn along the way and just kind of go through it that way. So um, Mm -hmm. would you say that there's anybody that's inspired your business career or um, just certain things that you do, practices that you do to keep your mind right and how you overcome adversity? So hmm, that's a loaded question. So I am most inspired by a lot of big mega companies. So if you look at Steve Madden or Tom, I'm very inspired by the story of Tom because they are such a cause-oriented business. I love to listen to podcasts of people who have made it, and I love to listen to how they made it. So I'm a huge podcast listener, especially with self-development and business. That's how I get inspired sometimes, especially if I'm in a slump. I like to just listen to other people, and it kind of makes me think, oh, well, you know, if they do that, then I can put a spin on it and think of how I can relate that to my business. Um, and it's as far as mindset goes, your mindset to me is like a muscle. And for me to have my mindset to where it is today, it took years in the making. So I used to listen to motivational speeches by Eric Thomas and Les Brown, Greg Plitt, when I first started competing. And I would just pretty much listen to them yell at me the whole time I would have it on SoundCloud and it'd be those motivational speeches where they're literally yelling at you. And I like had that on repeat to where I started just believing all of these things. And then I started executing. And once you start executing and seeing little results, this goes the same for when you're prepping. Once you see your body making small changes, you start to build momentum. And if you can just keep going every day and keep building that momentum, keep working your mind like it's a muscle, it's going to change over time. So I'm still a huge believer in listening to podcasts, listening to motivational speeches, um, reading anything that's going to keep my mind 
evolving and not staying stagnant. I think those are definitely the biggest keys that have really helped me develop mindset. And more so recently during this quarantine period, I started doing meditation. So I recommend everyone trying the app called Calm. They have something called 30 Days of Meditation. And each day is a different meditation practice. And something that really stuck with me was they said that your mind is literally it's a huge muscle. So if you can work on meditating and controlling your thoughts, you're working that muscle and then you can use this throughout your day. If you start getting in your head and your mind is going crazy towards negative thoughts, you can snap yourself out out of it and literally use your mind as a muscle to control your thoughts. And I've really felt that to be true. So meditation is something newer for me, but I definitely have really been loving it. That's awesome. So I'm going to come. Have you ever tried meditating? I, I try, I need to try this app because I have a hard time sitting still. So I'm kind of a busy body. So during quarantine, I incorporated yoga back into my routine. So at least I was moving. Um, and then I do a massage and so I feel like I'm sort of meditating. I have to force myself. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I kind of struggle with that. So that would be a good suggestion. Um, I know that a lot of my clients have really benefited from meditation and I know the value in it. I just have to have to muscle up and get into it. Um, but I, I always I struggled with, with it you too, on, to be honest. What was that? I always struggled with it too, to be honest, because I thought the same thing. I can't turn my mind off. I can't sit still. And it's this act that is what changed it for me because they guide you through it. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have someone in your ear talking you through it. So that's why it's really, really helpful to like get you to understand like how to just be in the moment. Uh, you should definitely try it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard great things and I'm a huge proponent of just filling my mind with um, positive space of, I select, I'm very particular about, you know, the books that I read and the podcast that I listen to. I'm very protective of what things I allow into my headspace. Um, if they're at mm-hmm. all negative, then, you know, I have to cut those out and I have to constantly be in check with, you know, what am I, what have I been feeding my mind recently? Um, just as mm-hmm. important as feeding your body, you know? So, Oh um, yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. So this is back to the shoes because I just realized that there was a, a little bit of a question that I had for you that we hadn't discussed. So as a judge, one thing that I've noticed, um, when I am judging people, I find that a thicker platform is like a little bit distracting to their physique and same with bling. What are your thoughts on that? I know that you have different options and things like that. Um, but I didn't know if you had any thoughts on recommending for NPC competitors, because that's primarily what our listeners are, um, in regards to how they pick the platform size like what's the appropriate one if they want like the minimal look to that platform so we carry every platform option available uh one quarter inch half inch three quarter inch one inch one and a half inch personally i well just going from statistics the three quarter inch is what's most popular that's the standard heel okay but if you go up to the one and a half inch which a lot of people do actually I do think it's too thick and too chunky where it does take away from the physique. I would 100% agree with that. 
some people, actually a lot of people opt for a one inch platform, which again is kind of on the thick side, but some people just happen to walk a lot better in it. So if that's going to make you feel more confident and, and strut your stuff better, well, I mean, I guess that is a plus in itself. Yeah. So again, it's kind of like whatever the person feels most comfortable walking in, but a high majority of our orders are for a five inch heel and a three quarter inch platform. That's 100% the most standard that we've seen. Okay. Um, we do carry shorter platforms too, but most of our orders are for that three quarter inch platform. As far as bling goes, a lot of people love bling. Um, that's a personal preference again. I'm not a judge, so I've never sat in the, at the judge's table and watched. So, I mean, it's a preference too because I've heard a lot of people say that's distracting, but then it's tough because if you look at like the Miss Olympia from last year, for Issa, she was wearing the completely blinged out shoes. So I think that sometimes it's hard for people to be able to make that decision, honestly. I even find it confusing too. Yeah. Yeah. I just was curious what your thoughts were on that or if you had seen any trends um, through your data collection, because it sounds like that uh, yeah. the five inch and the three quarter platform. So that's good information to know. Was there anything that people I didn't do ask you that you would like for to share with our listeners? Hmm. Um, no, not really. Not that I can think of. I mean, if anyone has any questions or they need help, we're always more than willing to help everyone they just all they have to do is dm or send us an email okay well that's the perfect i hope that i was able to provide enough value for everyone of course yes Uh, that's actually the perfect segue into you letting our listeners know how they can find you and of course we'll put it in the show notes but if you could um say the best way to get a hold of you and to message you and contact you if they are interested in finding more um out more about your heels and your your products that you provide Yes, so our Instagram, we're always on the Instagram, is at the shoe fairy underscore. We're on, you can search us on Facebook as well, Pinterest, YouTube, TikTok, just search the shoe fairy. And our website is shoefairyofficial.com or even just Google the shoe fairy. You can contact us straight from the website by the contact page or there's always a little icon in the bottom right corner that's for a chat so they can reach out via chat. And yeah, we're always available to help. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alexa, for your time. I know that I found it very valuable uh, personally, and I know that everybody was able to get a ton of good nuggets just about selection of heels, jewelry, but also more importantly, I think mindset of, you know, a competitor or a business entrepreneur. Um, You gave us a lot of really knowledgeable tidbits. So thank you so much for your time. This is your founder. Thank you, Amy. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off. Thanks for listening, guys.